Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, good evening, everybody. We are live. Welcome to Sunday evening service. Um, a packed house for Sunday again, so I just really appreciate you guys, like I was um, saying this morning. Um, really grateful for everything, you know, that, that's happened in the past couple of weeks. Everybody's showing up, and I was super impressed last week when um, just the, the camaraderie and, and people over there praying and all of this great stuff that was just happening um, that's, again, like I said this morning, a testament to you guys, and I'm just really proud that one, you guys come out and want to fellowship with each other and support myself and Mitch and everybody that gets up here, but um, you guys are a big deal, so thank you guys so much. I really appreciate that, so uh, I think we'll have a good one tonight. Uh, join me in prayer real quick. Lord, I just thank you for this, as always, for this opportunity to gather with each other and, and fellowship and just love on each other, Lord. And I just want to thank you for what's happening, not only in our ministry, but what's happening on Sunday evenings and, and um, j just the, the relationships that are being built um, between each other and, more importantly, the relationships that are being built between us and you. Uh, may you bless our relationships, bless each other, and bless this message. I, I, I hope it's a good one, and it, it, it's what people need to hear, and it falls on great ears. So thank you, Lord. Amen. So um, getting those AV issues fixed. Is that me doing that? Sorry, we had a little bit of AV issues. Um, this week, Mitch and I, um, we've been dealing with some sink issues. So we, uh, I had to go buy a um, garbage disposal. And if you know anything about me, um, you know that you can't send me to the fridge for a bottle of ketchup. A not, what am I looking for? You can't send me to the fridge for a bottle of ketchup, let alone send me miles away to find something like that, right? So I had to go to Lowe's. Mitch sent me, uh, I, I had a, a physical therapy appointment, whatever. Had to go into Colorado Springs and, and get a garbage disposal. Um, he sent me the exact one. One thing about me is I don't really like to ask for directions. So I'm going into Lowe's, super incognito, right? I can't ask for directions. I don't want people to really talk to me. So I'm kind of sneaking into Lowe's. By the time I get in, five, six, seven people ask me, you know, what are you looking for? Where are you going? And I'm just like, nothing. Don't talk to me, right? That's how men are. So I end up, what I do, and I do this all the time, you should see me make a Walmart run. It's ridiculous how long it takes me to find a pack of ramen. So I'm looking in every section that I can, right? You would think that a smart person would just go to the plumbing section um, or where they see the sinks, but I have to go down every single aisle, right? And finally, what, what happens is, is I'm looking around. I pass the same lady like three or four times. Literally, I'm just like... When, when she passes me, because I notice she's, she's watching me and, and seeing what I'm doing. So I'm like, every time she'd pass, I would just lean up against a piece of wood or, you know, that's some quality stuff right there. Yeah, great wood. Um, finally, she's like, dude, what are you looking for? Like, I, I must have had the, like, the most blank, lost stare on my face, right? So finally, I say, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the garbage disposal. Can you point me in that direction? Right, how easy was that? 
She points me in that direction. Guess how long I stood on that aisle for? <laughs> Even on the aisle, it took me, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, it felt like, to find this darn uh, garbage disposal. So I find the garbage disposal, right? Um, half horsepower, all of that dumb stuff that, that um, was sent to me. And then on the box, what else do I need? Well, I need plumber's putty. And, and long story short, I end up finding all of this stuff, right? I had to ask her for help a couple of times. But I wandered this store like a lost, lost person. And somebody was willing to ex come find me and extend help my way. Um, and it got me to thinking, like, that's how we should conduct ourselves as Christians, right? We should be wanting to find lost people and help them get to our and their ultimate goal, right? It's kind of how a pastor's mind works. Like, I'm, I'm starting to get into that transition of, um, like, these dumb little stories that happen during the week. The first thought that goes through is like, hey, what is God trying to teach me with this? Um, what is, like, how can I make this into a sermon? What's being said? So, what ends up, what it got me thinking is, sorry, this, is this that mic? Let me fix my mic, I apologize. What it, what it had me thinking about was, last week we talked about how we as Christians need to bring people in. I'll, I'll switch that if we really have to. We need to use our resources and open our homes and all of this stuff to... Um, to help people find Jesus, right? And I, and I think Kevin talked about it really well this morning when he talked about, just like me in that store, people should, should want to come to you because God has given you an authority that they recognize. God has, has done something inside of you that other people see, right? It, it exudes from you. So I kind of wanted, wanted to continue that story um, and continue our pattern of talking about what inside of us, what DNA should we as Christians have that other people see, that bring other people in? Because newsflash, we have a responsibility to use our God-given gifts to, eat, to lead others to Christ, right? All of us have a spiritual gift that's been given to us, right? whether it be working with your hands or hospitality or public speaking or things like that. God entrusts us with these skills in our spirit that, that he expects us to use to help others and to bring others in because ultimately our goal is to bring him glory, correct? How we conduct ourselves says so much, right? If I'm lost in a store, people can see that. Even if I tell somebody three, four, five times, like, no, I'm not lost, it's apparent to people, right? And, and, and the same exact thing is apparent to God and apparent to others as us as Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ. We should have something about us that, that just leads people in. We should be use, using our God-given gifts to bring people to Christ. Um, because, and this is something I, I really thought about this week as I was preparing this sermon. And hear me correctly when I say this. People will hear your actions before they ever see your words. 
think about it. I, I said what I said. People will hear your actions before they ever see your words. Everybody is watching us as Christians, especially in, in the, the time that we're in, in, in our country and in our world, right? People will see what you are doing before they ever trust what you have to say. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Romans chapter 14. We're going to be in a couple places, but we're going to start off in Romans. I start in Romans for, for one particular reason, and I always love to paint the picture. But in Romans, he's obviously writing to the Roman society, right? And if you know, um, there's a joke going around on the internet, right, that men think about the, the, Rome, the fall of the Roman Empire, like at least one to five times a day, which is shockingly true. But if you know what's going on and what happened with the fall in Roman society, you know that they were eerily similar to our culture in America today, right? The biggest problem that this church faced, and you see Paul write about it in, in Romans, is diversity, right? And we know that diversity can be an awesome thing, but, but for, for, it also comes with its problems. And, and that's what I love about Romans. If you want to see a perfect picture of the American church in the Bible, read the book of Romans. So we're going to start off there, Romans chapter 14. Keep this in mind. People will hear your actions before they ever see your words because people are always watching how you conduct yourself as a Christian. Not the first time we've had to do this. I always have to take this walk of shame. Romans 15, verse 1, it says, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should also help others do what is right and build them up in the, in the Lord. Um, a, a good translation, depending on what Bible it has, is it, it, it describes us helping weak people, correct? Point one in my sermon we should con of, of how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. We need to help the weak. And if you think about it, right? How good are we at helping the weak? I, I think that society in one way or another tends to, to step on weak people. To We're taught to use weak people to leverage ourselves. But what we saw in the ministry of Jesus is he used weak people, right? Every single week it feels like that I've gotten up on the stage, we've talked about how weak the disciples were or how weak Paul was. But we see this reoccurring theme in the gospel, right? That Jesus used weak people, and we should do the same thing, right? And, and can I also say something about weak people? Because not only have I talked about it the last couple of weeks, but we've also talked about it the last couple of weeks in, in Sunday morning service. And one thing that I really felt needed to be said about weak people is that all of us in one point or another have been weak in our lives. Can you think of a time that, that you were so weak that you needed somebody else? And then, and then compare that with the time that you've been prospering or that things have worked for you. Keep in mind when we're dealing with people that we may see as weak or whatever in society, that all of us at some point have been weak in our lives. All of us have struggled and needed other people. And, and, and in the eyes of God, 
we're all weak anyways, correct? Like we could never live up to the creator of our universe. So God calls us as Christians to help the weak. And that's what we kind of see here in Romans 15, right? But stop and ask yourself, like, what is it about weak people that is just attractive to God? What is it about weak people that drew them to Jesus and drew him to those people? What is it about somebody that is weak that makes Jesus look at them and say, hey, this is a perfect follower. This is somebody that, that I can help, that I can pour into. Um, think really deeply about that question. Um, and, and to me, it falls down to one thing. People who are weak, and again, we've all been there in one way or another in our life, are more apt to rely on God. Now, now you can hear me better. That's perfect. Think about the times that you've needed help. And again, my fellows in the room, we're much worse at this, right? It's dark in here, but I can see everybody's spouses nodding. When we are weak, that is when we're at our most vulnerable. And when we're at our most vulnerable, that is when we're looking for something. And that is, I, I think, what Jesus loves about weak people. And in the same context, we as Christians see that opportunity to get out there and help weak people. We need to recognize those things in people just like God and Jesus recognize those things in our life. We should always, always, always be trying to help weak people, as the Bible says, not step on people as the world would tell you, right? Um, just in society and, and how we do things, it's so conditioned in our mind and we don't even think about it to step on people to get ourselves ahead but, but, but what, what I've found in my life is that when you reach out and when you help people and being, I know I'm going to talk about it again. He thanked me for my service now, but I am a firefighter, correct? Um, right, Nate? Who's on right counter tonight? Um, what I've learned is that when you reach out and you help people who are weak or who are needy or who need your service, it only serves to prop you up. And it's awesome how God works that way, right? In a society where we're told to use weak people to our advantage, to step on them, to get what we want, when, when, when we as Christians reach out and put ourselves out there, open our resources like we talked about last week, we prop ourselves up in helping the weak. It's just, just this crazy weird system that, that works for Christians, that this, this weird blueprint that God has put in our lives, right? Helping the weak and, and putting yourself out there and opening your resources brings so much joy into our lives. We, we like to think about how things like that become a nuisance or... Um, or um, taxing on us or things like that but think about think about those steps we talked about steps last week right that you took to help people that was the hardest part compared to the reward that happens at the end point number one how we should conduct ourselves as christians what's in our dna as christians it's to help people especially the weak i don't think that it was a mistake that Jesus performed all these miracles, and it's written in historical um, books and scripture and all that. I don't think that was a mistake. 
I don't think that that was Jesus trying to flex or be something that he's not or trying to really show he's this God over us. He was showing us this blueprint of how we should be as Christians, what should be inside of us, and just helping people. And and it's amazing because, again, all of us have been there, but that that is something that we should just be striving to do, right? Point number one, how we should conduct ourselves, help the weak. Turn with me real quick to Proverbs 31. I'll give you guys a second. Proverbs 31, verse 9 says this. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Um, And again, switching versions here, because there's an important word that's missing out if you're reading the NLT. And this can be a controversial verse. It says to judge righteously. And that can be such a hard thing. And I found this. When we, read, when we read scripture about judging people, Christians either love it or absolutely hate it. There's no in-between, right? There's a ton of people who love to come to church um, because it makes them feel better about themselves. Because that's the one day in their entire week where they can feel better than somebody, and that point is not lost on me. And then there's the opposite of a ton of people who love to come to church um, to help the weak, to to hear what God has in their lives. And to those people, talking about judgment can be very off-putting, right? And I would venture to say that a lot of you are that way because I know the good people in this room. But it can be an uncomfortable verse. But, but this kind of gets me to my second point, and we're going to talk about this in length. Should we or should we not judge people, church? It can be a healthy thing or it can be a bad thing. But I know this. There's a couple verses where it says we're not to judge people. And there's 10 or 15 that say we are to judge people. But every time it says that, there's a key word and a key indicator in there. What, and somebody just said it, right? When it tells you to judge, it says that you are to judge people righteously. So let's look and let's explore what that means, right? And this is going to bring me to point number two, right? I don't do a lot of three-point, four-point, whatever sermons, but tonight's going to be one of those. Christians should love each other enough to stop each other from self-destruction. Christians should love each other enough to stop each other from self-destruction. Think about that for a second. My parents in the room, how well would you perform as a parent if you didn't judge your kids? Parents of teenagers, how well would you perform as a parent if you weren't constantly judging your teenager, right? It can be a very healthy thing. We should love each other enough to stop people from going down paths of self-destruction. How well do you love somebody to stop them from from running down a path where you know they're going to fall off a cliff? That, my friends, is the importance of judging people. But again, we are to judge righteously. And what does that mean? To judge righteously means that we evaluate people we care for in a helpful way, keyword, or or key part of this, being sure that we are not doing the same thing. We're to judge people, but when we're told not to judge, what what actually the, the rest of that context means is that we're not to judge people when we're doing the same thing. 
Judgment is necessary in inter- any relationship. Think about it. It's a, it, it, humans as, as mammals, it's a survival mechanism. We are constantly judging people, and that can be a good thing. What would your relationship be like with your significant other if you didn't judge, right? What would your relationship be like with your coworkers if you didn't judge? Think about you people that manage people or lead people or however you want to see it. How well of a leader would you be if you didn't, if you weren't constantly judging what your people are doing? We're called to be leaders, right? My biggest question here, though, is think about the amount of love it takes to judge people. That's a big deal, right? It takes so much for for you to put yourself out there and to speak up and be brave enough and put your relationships on the line to judge people and tell them that they are doing wrong. And what we see in the Bible, what we see here in Proverbs, is that that is essential as a Christian. We talk about not judging all the time, but we never talk about how important judging people actually is. Um, And one of the greatest lessons I've learned actually being around Mitch and being friends with Mitch and really us pouring into each other is that lesson of judgment, right? There's a prerequisite, though. Like I said, there's, there's about 10 to 15 verses, depending on um, what Bible you read, that tell us actually to judge people. And all of them have one thing in common. Two things. We said to judge righteously, correct? It always says something along those lines. And then there's one other thing, and we talk about it at Save the Cowboy all the time. If you're going to be brave enough to judge people, you have to be brave enough to do what else? To walk with them and help them in their walk, right? And that is actually in the Bible when we read these scriptures. What you see is that we are told to judge righteously, and then the rest of the verse says this, that we are to help them, that we are to walk with them. Anytime you see the Bible telling us to judge people righteously, you see the second part that also tells us that, we are to do something for them. And that's what we see here, right? Speak up and judge fairly, part number one, and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Anytime the Bible calls us to judge, it also calls us to help. And we love to think about the first part, right or wrong, and we love to miss that second part of helping people. And that's a big deal, right? As Christians, we're called to pursue truth, And that truth cannot be found without judgment and discernment. We should always, 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 every single day our goal should be to pursue the truth of who God says we are. And in order to do that, can we do that without a little bit of judgment and a little bit of discernment in our lives? And those two things are eerily similar. In order to help people, we have to judge. We have to to do that, right? But... We're also called to not be doing that if that's something that is convicting us. We don't judge people unrighteously, and part of being righteous, again, and I know I'm being repetitive, but I think I'm driving a point home here, is that I'm not judging Shay for his sins if I'm doing the same thing. That would be unrighteous of me. And God calls us to be righteous, correct? We said this morning that that authority that people see in us and and that it factor that we've talked about so many nights on this stage is God's authority in our life, and that happens when we are righteous, when we turn away from sin and we do what is asked of us. 
understand something, my friends. As you judge people, and we don't, I know I don't think about this. As you judge people, people are also judging you, which brings me back to my first point, right? That is the definition of righteous judgment. That's what it means to be righteous, is that if I'm going to throw myself out there and help you and, and, and judge you, I have to expect to be judged as well. And that's where we see in the Bible where it tells us not to judge people, is if we are doing the wrong thing, because we will be judged for that as well. But it's so important in our relationship. It goes both ways. Um, How we conduct ourselves as Christians is so, so important. And I'm going to talk about it more a little bit later. But one thing that came to mind when I was preparing this sermon, do you guys remember, who were my people from the 80s? Nate, um, yeah, Nate's wife, uh, Tony. Um, There's other people, I don't want to say it because they're ladies and I don't want to disrespect them. Um, Do you guys remember in the 80s, um, those those cutoff t-shirts that like buff dudes would wear? I I say the 80s and I act like I was alive. Um, But I remember seeing it like on Arnold. Um, Those uh, gold gym shirts, but instead of gold gym, it said God's gym. Anybody remember those? Nate? (coughs) Those are so funny, right? Because we're kind of putting ourselves out there, which we're called to do. But you also look ridiculous in that. So I think about the evolution of Christian clothing, right? We went from the God's gym shirts, and then um, I can remember, like, the little smiley faces in the 90s that was like, hey, Jesus is good, or whatever those things said. And then what happened is when I was in church, and they had these clothing lines, and we, uh, Lord, forgive me for this, we used to make fun of these kids all the time. And they were, um, do you remember the clothing line, maybe Mitch does not of this world? Like you would see that, right? The, the, the kid in, in school who was on fire for Jesus and who, who didn't care what anybody else thought was wearing these, these um, not of this world t-shirts and we're all judging and making fun of them. Meanwhile, we're wearing, do you guys remember Tap Out? Any UFC fans in here? That's for, now I know, I, I know what age range I'm getting into now. We wore these, these just dumb, like, tap-out shirts, and, and, and what you would see is, like, you had a friend who would do MMA in his basement, and, um, like, you would be in class, and he would be, like, karate-chopping you and um, talking about his appointment to go out and get a tribal tattoo. You guys remember tribal tattoos? Um, you would see those guys judging these kids that are wearing that stuff who are living their lives righteously. We wear all of these things, and we love to be called Christians, but how righteous are we living? How, we love to put ourselves out there and talk about going to church and doing things, but how important or, or, or how much detail are we paying in our lives to make sure that, not, that our actions are matching our words? It's a problem with the big C church, right? And we're all, we're all guilty of it because we're human. Make sure that if you are putting yourself out there as a Christian and you're trying to help people and you're judging people, that your actions speak louder than what is coming out of your mouth. Because what did we say at the beginning? People will hear your actions before they see your words. People are always watching, and in the world we live in today, they love to see a Christian mess up. 
you have that responsibility when you're talking to people. That's part of your righteousness and authority to God is to live a life worthy of people watching and saying, you know what? He's an all right dude. Because what you do says more about the God you serve than, than what it says about you, right? When you put yourself out there to people and you talk to your coworkers or your family or anybody about God, the next thing they are going to do is watch what you are doing because as you are judging them, they are also judging you. Be worthy of being looked at. Be worthy and, and, and be somebody worth being God's billboard, right? If you think about it, we are all a billboard for God. Do they have billboards anymore, by the way? I've, I haven't seen one in about 16 years, but um, you are a billboard for God when you put yourself out there. And just as you are called to judge people, people are also judging you. In summary, and, and I just feel so passionate about this. I'm going to close with the third and final point, right? Point number one was what? Help the weak. Point number two was what? I love this interaction. It's, I, I say interaction, but it's just Nate. But I told Nate, just so you guys know, he is allowed to talk on Sunday nights. He brings the energy. I love it. Right? There, there was a little debate about whether we should let him talk or not. But, 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 but Sunday night pastor says yes. Number two is what? We should love people enough to judge them. So I'm going to close out with point number three, right? And, and it's this. If you ha turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 1. And we almost got here the other night. We, st we stopped a couple of verses shorter. I'm going to close with the third and final point of how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. Help the weak. Love each other enough to judge. And I'm going to take this third point directly from Philippians 1. It says this, verse 27. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How deep is that to you guys? Let me read it again. Conduct yourself worthy in a manner, or uh, sorry, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We should put that on a t-shirt, right? But think about what a responsibility that is. If you read that verse and you're anything but nervous or a little bit scared, you're probably reading it wrong. That is such a high bar that was set for us. And when I read this verse, and this is what is awesome about the people in this church, is every time I'm reading or preparing, about, preparing for a sermon, I think about one of you guys. And one person in particular that I thought about this, um, in, who, who's not here tonight, and it would have been awesome if he, if he was, it would be a tear-jerking moment, um, is Daryl. Think about Daryl and, and how much sometimes we take that that man for granted. He cares so much about our safety. But every time I see Daryl, he is the most encouraging, um, the, the most thought-provoking. Um, he's always checking on us. I remember when I got bucked off a horse, he texted me like eight times a day for three days. Daryl is the most wholesome person that I have ever met, I think, in this church. He loves Jesus. He lives his life in a way and he cares so much for others, right? If, and I'm not going to go too much in his history, but if you know his history, he spent his entire life at a cost to him helping the weak, right? He's spent, you know, he has deficits because of that. And he is nothing but happy all the time. 
And, and that's what I strive to be. But more importantly, that is what I love about this ministry is that it is filled with people like Daryl um, and every single person in here. Like, I mean it, guys. I've been bragging about what happened last week for um, um, all week. But it is filled with you guys that are so wholesome and righteous and want to do the right thing. And that is just amazing. And that, to me, sums up conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How do I conduct myself? I'm, I'm going to ask you guys a, a quick question. And, and I'm not there. I actually heard another person, uh, another pastor ask this question. But I want you guys to really think on this for a second. And I'm going to answer it myself for you guys because, you know, it, it wouldn't be a sermon if we didn't poke fun at me a little bit. I never feel like less of a Christian than when I do blank. Think about that for a second, and I'll say it again. I never feel like less of a Christian than when I watch the wrong things on the Internet or when I gamble or when I drink or when I do this. I can tell you my answer for that, and you guys are going to laugh if you follow me on Facebook. It's a huge problem in my life. I never feel like less of a Christian than when I argue with people online about football. <laughs> it's funny, right? And then you can tell the people that follow me. But it actually becomes really toxic, and it's not a good thing in my life, and it's something I'm trying to do, right? Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, don't click on the comment section, and I'm like trying to stop my hand from doing it. But what's your answer to that? What do you do in your life, or what habits do you have that are counterproductive to the ministry of Jesus in this world, that are counterproductive to save the cowboy, that are counterproductive to what you're called to be as a person and a believer of God. We should ask ourselves those convicting questions, right? Because, and, and hear me out and write this down if you have your notes. I know it's dark in here. Um, how you conduct yourself as a Christian should be the, like the, the, the underlying theme of this sermon. You can call yourself a Christian, but what really defines you is how you treat your waitress after you leave church on Sunday morning, or how you drive when you have your not-of-this-world sticker on the back next to your tap-out sticker, right? People are always watching what we're doing, and I know we've talked about it, but we are in such tumultuous times in, in, in our world and our country, but more importantly in Christianity. And it's times like these that, that people really start to watch what we're doing. If there's one thing that I've learned in my short time as a pastor is that so many people are on the edge of giving their life to Christ. And they're people you would not expect, right? So many people just need to see one more thing from you to come into this church and to give their lives to Christ. And you guys see, that's why every morning, every Sunday morning, I try to open up with, hey, if there's new people in here, welcome them in. Because for some people, that's going to be the only positive welcoming thing in their life. But trust me, and I know Mitch can attest to this and people that have been followers of Jesus Christ for a long time, there are so many people that are just one good act, one good... Um, godly act of you away from giving their lives to Jesus. People need it more than ever, and they see those things in you. So how you conduct yourself when you go out and how you conduct yourself when, when, um, when you're not in this building is so vitally important. And we said it this morning, and it's one of Mitch's, Mitch and I's favorite thing. 
the leader you are when, time, when things are going well doesn't define you. It's who you are when, when things aren't going well. Are you the first person in line to step up and lead when things aren't going your way or, some, or you weren't given what you wanted or things fell through with God? People are watching that stuff. And more importantly, that can be just counterproductive to your relationship with God. Things are not going to go right, but how you conduct yourself when things do not go right says everything about who you are and, more importantly, the God that you serve. It says so much about your pastors, um, your parents, your kids, who brought you up, who taught you. But most importantly, it says the most about the God that you serve, right? Because we're called to be to, to pursue righteousness. And pursuing righteousness means that I'm going to turn from sin and that I'm going to follow the creator of the universe, right? The one who sent his son to die on a cross to be with us. How you treat people says everything about you, and it should be in our DNA and inside of us to, to do that because that is what Jesus did. Um, so so a, as we leave and we go into, into our work weeks and go through the hustle and bustle, just remember people will see your actions before they ever hear your words. And that's important because most people are just one godly act away from giving their lives to Christ. And that's our ultimate mission is to bring glory to God by bringing people in. That's literally all we can do, right? There's not, not very much I can do to serve the creator of the universe, but I know what I can do is bring people to him. He's given me the gift to kind of talk, I guess. You know what I mean? What spiritual gifts do you have? I'm really good at talking and arguing with people online. But what about you has God given you that you could bring people in and bring people to God? Because the, the best part about that calling is that we just have to get them in, right? God will do the rest of the work. I just have to get them in here, right? And it just, I just need to conduct myself in a way worthy that'll get them in those doors right there that will open up their minds to having a conversation to me, that will make them willing to, to pray with me, right? That's our calling as Christians, and that's how we conduct ourselves. That's how we judge people righteously. That's how we do what we need to do to serve our purpose to glorify God. And that's a big deal, y'all. Um, don't take that lightly. I, I know, and we'll kind of continue on this theme. It's, it, I guess it'll be a mini-series. Last time I tried to do a series up here, I named it something stupid, and um, it didn't go well. Um, but that is our mission, right? And that's what we will talk about, is how we can, can be better by using our resources um, to help bring people in glory to God, because that is our ultimate mission. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I just thank you that, that you're such a loving God, that, that you give us these skills and these talents and these spiritual gifts, Lord, that other people get to see, Lord. May we always use those gifts and all the resources that you've given us for your glory and to help people, Lord, to bring people in and to make people's lives better because that is our ultimate calling and as we we go through this short time on this earth, Lord, is to just glorify you because we know that eternity is on the other side. And may we always be people that want to make heaven crowded, that want to help others, that want to, to fix ourselves and put ourselves out there 
to just serve your purpose in this dark world, Lord. I pray that just a special blessing upon the people in this room and the people online, that if, that if they're hurting or suffering through hard times, Lord, may they just feel your presence. We've said before that, that people that suffer have a special place in your heart, and it's the ultimate way to be close to you. I, I just pray that you be with those people and that you do something in them, Lord, and they see that they're, they're your child and that they are worthy of, of all the great things that you have in store, not only on, on, in this world, but in eternity, Lord, which is our ultimate goal to be with you. It's in your name we pray.